Hello, hello. You're listening to I Don't Know What's Happening. I'm Vicki Marie, and my friend Tara and I are back. This time, we're going to be talking about serial killers. We're going to be discussing why women love serial killers so much, how to avoid getting murdered on dates. I'm going to share a story about a time I was catfished. Tara and I are going to share the stories of serial killers Charles Cullen and Bobby Joe Long. You're going to find out which of us is related to a serial killer and what new true crime story on Netflix is so brutal that people are turning it off before finishing. As always, thank you for encouraging our bullshit and we hope you enjoy part one, that time we talked about serial killers. On your mark, get set. Go. Go. We're back. Yes, we are. Welcome to the shit show. <laughs> yes. Um, so the topic of this session, please go ahead. You can begin. Serial killers. I I, I feel so weird when I say this because I don't mean it. I love serial killers, but I don't actually love them. Like, I love to, like, watch true crime and hear, like, serial killer stories. But I always end up just, like, exclaiming that I love serial killers. 100%. Always. Of right? course. Like, you, we, we don't support them and what they do. But at the same time, we like the stories. Why? I don't know. I mean, it's fascinating. Like, and, and there definitely is like an uptick, like in people that are watching like investigation discovery or things. Yeah. I mean, if, if it never, I mean, Dateline started how long ago? I don't even know what year that started in, but like that got people interested. And then all of a sudden now there's like investigation discovery. And then on like the Oprah Winfrey network there's 2020 and all that kind of stuff and it's just like okay every single lifetime has true crime there's true crime everywhere now yeah and why such the uptick all of a sudden is my question like I don't I don't get it I mean I feel like there have always been groups of people that were super into these stories like you said like Dateline like um what was that one show the one guy had after his son was kidnapped and killed? Oh, what was it called? Um, America's Most Wanted. Yeah. There were forensic a- files. Yeah, tons of freaking shows. My grandmother, actually, my mom always compares me to her. She's like, she's like, I don't understand why you like this. Oh, wow. And like- I was like, what, Really? So yeah, yeah, she used to buy these magazines that would have all these true crime stories in them. So apparently it's been going on for years, for a long ass time. Mm -hmm. As a a child, I remember my family having like National Enquirer and it would have like the following of the case of John JonBenet Ramsey and other stuff like that. Growing up, I remember watching Murder, She Wrote and like all of these like fictitious murder mysteries oh my grandmother got me into murder she wrote yes yes. it wasn't for her I wouldn't have known about it but like that was like my first like true crime not really true crime but like crime 
mystery TV show. Cause we yeah. didn't have, I didn't have cable growing up. And finally when we got it, then my grandmother would come to visit for like two weeks from Florida and we'd be watching this shit. That and Lamb Chop, which is kind of garbage. I was like, why do you like this shit? But yeah, true crime shit was more important. I was like, I like this better. Okay, <laughs> Can we watch more? Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah, like there were so many shows growing up that I watched that were murder mystery. My family was all into it as well. Like I said, the National Enquirer was always in my house. And I grew up kind of, like, in that environment where there were a lot of people that were interested. And... Oh, see, I was the odd person out. I got <laughs> interested in it. And, you know, my mom always was like, no, no, no. But it wasn't me who got interested in it to begin with. My my grandmother got me interested in it. I... She is the reason. I blame her. <laughs> yeah, for me, my family, like, always always was into like movies and stories my mom and my aunt they both like loved to read a lot of them read things like like Stephen King and stuff like that and like my family would watch horror movies together so like this type of like morbid entertainment fiction and real it, right. it, it was around me a lot so I definitely did grow up with it but there are tons of people that didn't like, like, for example, you know, you had no, one I'm sorry. It's, it's not that it wasn't around me. I think my mom tried to keep it away from me. But yet mm-hmm. I remember my first experience with a horror film. I was probably about seven or six years old. Mm-hmm. And me and my friend Suzanne were at her mom's shore house. And our moms were both watching The Shining. Wait, Suzanne, and- that we went to school with? Yes. Okay. So her and I were hiding behind the couch and we were watching this movie. They didn't know we were there. Oh, it's a classic. And then we both got the shit scared out of us. That's so funny. Yeah, it was terrifying at that age. Because we were like, like I said, six or seven years old. We were sitting behind the couch watching this and I was just like, oh my God. Okay, so now if anybody ever chases me, I have to walk backwards in the snow <laughs> in the <laughs> other direction. <laughs> it was kind of genius, but kind of bad at the same time. Like, it freaked me out. And then her and I really got into horror movies for years. We were, like, nonstop. Like, every time we had a sleepover, it was nonstop horror movies. It's fun to be scared sometimes, though. It is, but that's how I ended up with one of my first concussions. What? Please yeah, tell. I ended up with a concussion. Um, so what happened was we were watching a horror film and it was like a sleepover with a bunch of girls. So all of them went upstairs and I was sitting downstairs and they turned the lights off on me trying to scare me and I got really freaked out and I ran straight into the fucking wall at first. <laughs> <laughs> like a moron. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that is so funny yeah so stupid so you got concussed over i did oh my god 100% did get concussed two of my concussions are because you like being scared so much that you commit to it and scare the shit out of yourself and then get concussed i appreciate that i pre thank you (laughs) 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 
I already love a, a mystery. I already love like detective novels and fiction. So like the fact oh, that's that it's what I love real. about it is that it's about the mystery and stuff like that. One of my favorite authors, his name is um oh fuck I can't remember his name right now. Shit, I had it a second ago. Uh, but he writes this. He wrote L.A. Confidential. Oh my goodness, I should Black know this Dahlia. as well. I should know this as well. Oh my goodness, and those are all like such great stories too. The first book I ever read by him was called Blood on the Moon. And that was one of my favorite books because he went back and forth between the murder and the detective's point of view. Like every chapter was different. So oh, every yeah. chapter was between a different point of view. So chapter one, one point of view, chapter two, different point of view. And like you were just constantly going back and forth and back and forth and it just kind of got confused at the end. And it was a really good sign of how that actually works probably for detectives. Like you get so into something that you become part of it almost. Yeah. I never really thought of it that way. I do love when a story does like go into the mind of the killer and go into the mind of the detective, that whole like cat and mouse chase definitely is suspenseful. I'm trying to like find the author to like save us. Just like a, Blood on the Moon. Blood on the Moon book. Oh, James Elroy. Yes. Um, his mother was actually murdered. Oh, my gosh. So he actually started this because she ended up being a cold case. So oh, he I ended see. up starting, like, interviewing people and, like, figuring stuff out to, like, try and, like, solve the crime of his mom's death. That is so interesting. I had no clue. Yeah. So all of his works are about cold cases mm -hmm. which I appreciate and I think he tries to bring delight to them because maybe somebody will like figure out something it's great I mean I have I have heard that there are a ton of people that do like their research independently they just like kind of get attached to a story and want to crack the case on their own so there are so many people out there there are like podcasts that um, work to kind of solve, you know, cold cases and like right. Facebook pages and all of that. And like, these are just like, you know, regular everyday people. Um, uh, one, one example is uh, that, that recent one on Netflix, don't fuck with cats. It I have not seen that. Yeah. It was like the internet people that helped out with solving that one. And I mean, there are so many of them. I, I find it interesting that people, they do, they, they um, get so like to a story that they, they want to, you know, be part of solving. I think that's really, really cool. And, and for me personally, I mean, just to kind of like see the process of how they're solving these crimes and like figuring it out using forensics, interviewing, um, profiling, I, I just find it so fascinating right and you know we we like it from the level of that we find it interesting we like a good mystery we like a good story um but like some of these women like that like watch these cases they like get get into the into murders yeah why i uh, don't get that like bitch really are you that toxic <laughs> come on i i know right like well like, he murdered his whole entire family. You're into him. Why? Yeah. Why? The the one, um, was it Scott Peterson? Yeah. 
Like women were so into him. Why? Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy's another one. Again, see why? No level of hot that can equal out being a murderer to me. I mean, like for me personally. Me too. Channing Tatum, Dwayne Johnson, fucking anybody who I like can be a cold-blooded murderer and be like, nope, bye. No, fuck you. We're done. (laughs) Right? We're done with this fantasy. (laughs) I wonder what makes somebody like decide that, oh, that's the one. So many of them have psychopathic tendencies. Or psychopath. You must be. Right? Like, I don't know if like they're like going for like the ultimate fear boner or what. Like either that or they're just like way too gullible. It's just so interesting. Like these guys, like and 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 most of them are like prolific like serial killers and like serial rapists and like these are, like, the most depraved human beings. Yeah, what makes you feel like you feel safe around this person? Like, what makes you think you'll be the difference? And they marry Is, is it really that deep within, <laughs> like, women's soul to, like, fix somebody? I mean, I We get... can't fix serial killers. We cannot do it. <laughs> right? Like, I get being into the bad boy thing, but I think that that's going a little too far. No, I, I agree with bad boy, but, like, reformed bad boy, that's, like, my thing. We're a bad boy in your past, so you got a little bit of edge, but, like, not too much. And now you're, now you're cool. Now you're responsible. I'm into that. It's, it's like, frightening. Like, you used to do coke, but now you don't, so we cool. <laughs> yeah, but a, a healthy cocaine addiction is not the same <laughs> as, like, finding women on the street agreeing them 100 like that, that's like, not a normal thing <laughs> there is not a fine line between those no, two types of person and and i personally i oh, wow i just i can't and you know i did a little bit of you know research for this and i came across a bunch of articles of of cases where women were so into these, you know, serial killers or, or murderers or whatever. Like I, like I said before that they were marrying them. And I just, I can't fathom, I can't fathom like that being like anybody think that's a good idea. No. They're afraid of commitment and they know they're on death row so it's like a perfect setup for them because they like know that it this does expire at some point oh really is that how that works that would, that'd probably be great for me <laughs> <laughs> there are plenty of people on death like this will never happen but like let's like send romantic shit to each other we find <laughs> yeah I like mean... the commitment without the commitment because you're gonna die <laughs> be cool Right? I don't even it's have to end this. You, it just gets ended naturally because you're fucking dead. <laughs> but um, you deserve it. Really? I don't think there's necessarily like a certain thing. Like like a formula for creating I don't think there color. is. I think sometimes it's nurture and other times you're just born that way. Well, I think like, because I, I do. I, I watch far too much of this shit. And in a lot of cases, the people did have bad home lives. A lot of times there was a history. Sometimes that is 100% a thing. 
Yeah, like there is a history of um, abuse, neglect, yeah. anything, like anything on those along those lines, 100%, but still doesn't excuse it. But at the same time, like it's more you get it a little bit slight, not really. I don't, well, I don't even know how to say well, with this. Right. The, the, their point of like telling like their story, like where they come from and like the type of abuse that they were subjected to. A lot of them did experience like sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental and emotional abuse. And um, that, that, that does wear on people. And Oh, absolutely. Um, no it doubt. Can, it can, you know, cause, um, you know, mental health issues uh, later on down the line. I think that some people are just born with mental health issues that yeah. kind of exacerbate this. Um, and then any kind of external factor makes it worse also yeah absolutely I mean at the end of the day anybody that's capable of taking a life just because they enjoy it is just so like shocking And, and like so the serial killer thing I think is like even more shocking just because it wasn't anybody that necessarily um did anything to them when when you have like the situations where it's like a husband kills the wife or the wife kills the husband there there's stuff that fueled that there's tension that's there's, different but then you also yeah. have the family killers that like kill their kids it's like yeah, why do i don't that. get how you can do that like how can you kill your own children that that clearly is a mental health thing because like as as animals we're programmed to protect our young what are we gerbils like are we just gonna eat our young? Like I don't, I don't get it. Like that makes no sense to me. Like I don't, I don't get how people can do that. That makes. Oh god. And I literally, I, yeah. I literally have. I can't even fucking kill an ant if I wanted to. My level of killing bugs has to do with if I have to hear them squish or not. <laughs> like because I can't handle that. Like I can't step on a beetle because the idea of hearing it, like, ugh, <laughs> I can't even say it. But, like, like, just, like, the sound to me is, like, visceral enough that, like, I'm put off by it. Like, I couldn't do that. Like, I get nervous killing spiders, but more because I'm afraid they're going to murder me. Um, <laughs> You're afraid they'll escape and come back for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, like, there's, like, I have to, like, kill it, make sure it's dead, confirm the time of death, and then send it to a I literally grave. lure them onto my hand and bring them outside. <laughs> That is terrifying to me. I would never <laughs> actively allow a spider to be. I'm the type of person that would go and pet a hippo. So let's not talk about me. So hippos are terrifying. The most murderous creatures. animal on earth. Yeah, like they don't give a fuck. They will kill you. <laughs> they really don't give a fuck. They no, won't they kill don't. anyone. But I'm um, like down for it. I'm like, okay, this is how I'm gonna die. Guaranteed. This is how I plan to die. I'm gonna pet a hippo, and that's how I'm gonna die. Yeah, I mean, if you that's find it. if you find that that is worth it, and that's your you know your wishes, I'm not going to fight it. All I'm saying is is that the only hippo that I want to be around is one that can't murder me, <laughs> like a baby hippo. N- more like any hippo that's behind like very very strong walls. Oh, see, I, I'd hang out with a baby hippo. They can't eat you. You're fine with the baby one. 
They want to. They don't have their teeth yet. They're murdering assholes. They want to, but they can't. (laughs) They want to kill you, but they cannot. (laughs) I actually saw a thing the other day. There was a man that, like, took care of a hippo from when it was a baby. I think I sent that to you. Did I send yeah, that to you? <laughs> you may have sent it to me. And, like, the man took care of the hippo, and then, like, the hippo killed the man, like, later on yeah. down the road when he was, like, a full-grown hippo. And I just think that, first of all, that's a dick move because this guy <laughs> took care of you. And, like, so clearly hippos have zero loyalty. No, they have zero loyalty. They don't give a fuck. But also, like, human beings are not part of their natural diet. Like, they clearly kill for fun. Whatever hippos have in them, that's the same thing. Or they're just like major have. foodies, and we're just like a weird, <laughs> like strange taste to them that they want to try. But like, what suddenly makes a hippo have a taste for human flesh? Like, I don't even. Think I mean, what makes human have a taste for duck liver? I don't know. That sounds delicious to me. I mean, we eat pate. There's no natural reason for us wanting it. Except for the fact that it's delicious. I've had it. I wasn't a fan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love pate. No, hard pass. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> we digress. I mean, so maybe some hippos are just like, nah, not going to eat this person because I'm not into it. But other hippos are like, yeah, I'm into that kind of weird taste. <laughs> I, I don't think that they actually eat the people, though. I think they just want to murder them, and they're like, they just, just want to chomp no them. Ways. Like, if you think about it, like hippo hands are not made for murder. Like, like think about like like their four legs. None of that is made for murder, but like their gigantic jaws are. So I think what they're actually doing, we just want to like, chomp. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're they just like like murdering or the, if they sense a threat, they just like want to make sure that it's you and not them that dies. Or maybe they're saying enjoy crispy things like people. <laughs> like bones right, first crisp. Of all, people are not crispy. Well, the bones go kind of like popcorn curls <laughs> like <laughs> Oh my god. I I definitely I definitely don't think that hippos look at a person and they're like, oh, I'm really in the You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know their life. No, but I'm almost Maybe we're like the potato chips for hippos. Like, oh, potato chips. They don't eat them. I refuse to accept this. They, like, there's no way. Like, I do not personally know any hippos. Nor have I ever researched any hippo psychology. Me either. But I think that they are into like like the thrill of killing and that's like what they're into see um, i go for the other thing where we're just like a crispy <laughs> treat <laughs> you're like numb bones good interesting nice crunch <laughs> oh my gosh like you've really thought about this <laughs> i really haven't until right now Again, this is anxiety brain. Like, it's the best part about me. Like, I can think of, like, random scenarios randomly out of nowhere and, like, come up with, like, a whole random shit ton of stuff for no reason. An entire narrative about how exactly taste for humans now. Yep, 100%. Frightening. That's how I work. Um... (laughs) So... (laughs) So serial killers and true crime, though, my obsession, though, also, like, 
makes me constantly like vigilant like that like like I want to make sure I'm not murdered and I've watched so much of this that I feel same like I have gotten the tools to to make sure that one I'm not going to you know actively put myself in the path of a serial killer or murderer right but like if I did end up there I I have real confidence in my ability to survive and like be the the one that survives because I have so much information like I know every single one of the existing playbooks I've researched them I know all of their moves I know they're like what they're doing and so for me dating when I started dating again, like two years ago, I would, I would take a lot of precautions. Like I would like send the person's picture where I'm meeting them, their phone number, any information I had about them. I would oh. text to a friend and be like, I'm meeting them at this time. I'll check in with you at some point to let you know if I'm safe or not. And when I get home, like physically home in my house, doors locked, I'll let you know that I survived. And Same, 100%. And we actually went through this recently when I met up with my ex. Yes. And you were so concerned. And I had a box cutter in my purse. I <laughs> just, just in case. I have watched so much true crime that... You and I both. You, the <laughs> thought of you meeting your ex, I was like, oh no, this is how it goes down. If I can't have you, no one will murdered. So I wanted to make sure that you were doing all of the things to protect yourself. So we came up with a random password. Yes. Which Which, is perfect. Which is what you should do with your friends. Like if you're going to go out, come up with a random password that nobody else would know. So your friends know you're safe. Exactly. So that I know that the person that's on the other end is you and not the murderer. Yeah. Because if you're like, oh, I'm safe. Okay, anybody could write that. No. You need to come up with something creative. Exactly. 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 And also, like, if somebody has, like, a gun to your head or a knife to your throat telling you to text, like, or say that you're safe, if I don't hear that safe word, like, I'm not believing that you're safe, I will call the police. Yeah, exactly. Because if somebody had a gun to my head telling me to tell you I was safe, I'd be like, I'm safe. And you would know something is up. Yes. You would also know where I was at the beginning of the time. And hopefully they'd be able to look at cameras to figure out the car. Absolutely. Because I'm smart enough to find places with outdoor cameras. Oh, you have to make sure that there's like a paper trail. I There were plenty of times. See, I don't drink like a lot on dates because I want to like have control over myself in the situation at all times I don't know these people they're strangers online dating is so weird because prior to my ex-husband I didn't do online dating it wasn't a thing then and so I knew the person I was going on a date with I knew them from mutual friends I worked with them I went to school with them you know like there was always like a reason why this person was in my life that I kind of like had already like checked the box so it was safer a lot safer exactly exactly and for girls a lot of times it's like a lot safer to date guys like that because it's just you know you're not gonna get killed (laughs) yeah like if you have mutuals like i would just be like oh hey tara i'm going out with you know this mutual friend and you know him 
Yeah, exactly. So it's Oh, not- he's a good guy. No, he's a bad guy. Stay the fuck away. Like, I'd let you know. Exactly. It was safer. But entering into the world of online dating, I was, I was truly going out and meeting a complete stranger that I may have talked to for like a week or two on the phone or, um, or, you know, through text. And so for me, I was like a little, a little nervous at first. I always made sure that there was a paper trail. Like I would, I wouldn't drink going on these dates, but often I would take an Uber or a Lyft to the place just because there's now like a geotag that I went to this place and like somebody saw me. And so I literally hired a stranger and got in the car with a stranger to deliver me to another stranger. Probably not. Which the is best not the best. Plan. Yeah. I normally just take my own car. <laughs> but. And, and I just let everybody know where I am. Yeah. And I'm within an area where I know a bunch of people so that I'm safe. Because if I needed to, mm-hmm. I could literally text any one of them 911 and they would like mm-hmm. be to the place and ask questions. Yeah. And Lyft and Uber have taken steps to to make it safer for their riders i don't i'm not right. i'm not nervous anymore getting into a lift no, or no, no. now they have like passcodes so you can like prove that, that this is the car you're supposed to be getting into and this is in fact the person that's going to be driving you and i mean it, it, it has changed a lot too to make that safer um I also have a fun thing that I do whenever I get into an Uber or a Lyft. I actually like fake my entire life. Like, of course, they have my name because it's on the, you know, on the pickup blog or whatever. Right. But I make up the most ridiculous, like, like one time I'm in the car, I'm like an architect. And then, and then another time I'm in the car, I'm an artist. Like, I just like make stuff up, like completely. Why don't you just say you're an shit. MMA fighter every single time? <laughs> I mean, look at me. I'm clearly I'm not a an fucking MMA, MMA fighter. fighter. Like, I, I have to make it at least somewhat believable. No, you but... should be like, I look tiny, but I can break your neck in two seconds. Flat. See, I'd rather be stealth and them not know that like I could kick their ass. If that's if, fair, if you know, like I rather like have that like you know, element of surprise if they try anything funny. But so I would go on these dates with these guys, and and I like realized that it is dangerous, and I was and I was always like nervous until you know a couple dates, getting to know people. I always try to meet them in places like that I was familiar with. Um, I, I always tried to like avoid being alone with these people until like I knew who they were. And, and you know, you have to protect yourself. There are like so many, you know, situations where people are not who they say they are as it is. And, and you don't, you don't ever know really who's on the other side of it. I oh, do my 100%. research. I like if I'm going on a date with somebody, I usually try to like find like I like I'm like the FBI. I like try to find their social media, their Instagram, their Facebook. Like, like are they who they say they are? Is the person in the pictures the person right. they say they are? Um, Which makes sense because you, you got catfished once, didn't you? I did, and that wasn't an unsafe situation, but it was. <laughs> I'll share what happened. Yes, please. I'll share. share. So. This was last year when things were starting to lighten up from COVID. Um, people mm-hmm. were starting to get a little bit more back to life. It was like when like half the world was on lockdown and half the world was living their best life. Like, wow. I'm so like here. in the middle of the summer last year. Yes. And gotcha. so 
I met a guy on a dating app and he seems all right. I mean, his, his profession, he was a, a police officer, um, which to me, like, was like, okay, this, this guy clearly raping or murdering anybody at least doesn't want to, you know, not out with like their own name and like their own job and everything out there for everybody to see. So I was like, all right, this is cool. And I, I talked to him a bit. I, I, I was, I was comfortable enough to meet him and get frozen yogurt and go for a walk. Right. right. So like, I was like, okay, we're going to be out in public, safe from COVID. People are there. This is going to be, you know, fine. And you got there by yourself. You didn't have him pick you up. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I show up and I'm already like, well, no, no, thank you. So I, I didn't really think about it when I looked at his profile, his pictures. He was a pretty like, you know, handsome guy in his photos. Like I, I, think that part of me was mesmerized let me try that again part of me mesmerized mesmerized by the fact (laughs) that he was like six five so it was just like well yes like sometimes I'm not sure if I'm interested in somebody or we're gonna have to talk about height another day yeah like I like sometimes I genuinely don't know if I'm interested in somebody or if they're just tall um (laughs) but you know I heard six five the pictures were all right but another thing is is that he was like a little bit older than me like he was like a, like 43 maybe so the mm-hmm. problem with online dating and dating men of this age is that some guys that are 43 have their entire like house controlled from their phone and they're super techie and they like they're just like everything is about technology they love it they embrace it and then other guys that are like 43 can't take a selfie and like have like a flip phone still like there's just one or the other yeah like it's just like it's an age where people have this super embraced it or really didn't and you know his photos weren't like the best quality per se like they were just like all kind of like selfies and and I just kind of chalked it up to him maybe being like one of the guys that are you know a little bit older than I am that aren't as into going out and taking pictures and stuff like that. Cause they're, they're, I mean, they're in general, not even age, age specific. There are, there are plenty of guys that just like, aren't big into like the social media, taking pictures, right. stuff like that. And try not to, you know, be judgy about that. Cause that doesn't necessarily mean that you'd be a bad partner. So I show no, up, not. I show up to this date and he just does not look like his pictures. It, it, his pictures. He looked like a decent looking guy. He, like, shows up the wish version of his pictures. Like, it, they're, they're just – they were either heavily Photoshopped or they Do were very Do you say the wish old. version, like, as in the website wish? Yes, wish. Like, it's like you think you're getting one thing, but this isn't what you're getting. <laughs> you and think you're so, getting a really nice bedspread, but you're getting, like, a fucking two-foot blanket. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So he was a tiny chair. He was as tall as – he claims but in in the facial region there was there was like I I had been bamboozled and so I would like to go on the record and say I have my personal training certification weight loss coaching I I'm really about positive body image and I am not into body shaming in any way 
But like, let me get into my story so that you understand that he also is like not a nice person. And I'm just going to say this, his neck, like he had like, like a, a gobble. Like it, it was like the, the skin on his neck. It was like a, like a, like a pelican, like, or like a, like a, some like type of pelican. fowl or like bird. And so like he had a gobble and like, he didn't look like his photos at all. And I was like already like, no, but I didn't want to <laughs> show up and like be mean and like no of course not and you know like some people are insecure about how they look so they do post things that maybe aren't exactly truthful and like and so like I I wasn't gonna just show up and like see that he wasn't the person and and just walk away I figured it's just frozen yogurt and a walk like how bad could it possibly right you give him the you give him the benefit of the doubt (laughs) well so we get frozen yogurt and we are talking and the entire conversation horrified me on such a like on such a deep level before we even met he knew that i was very very involved here in phoenix with the protests for black lives matter that i was out protesting multiple nights a week and you know as as him being a police officer i wanted him to know where i stood in this because I, you know, there are, there's a misconception that like all police officers are bad. That's, that's, I mean, no, I know true. that people go with that a cab mentality, but like the truth is, is that they're people and any, in any a group of people, right. you're going to have good people and bad people. And, right. you know, like his profession wasn't going to be a reason why I wasn't going to go on a date with him. But I did make it very clear to him that I was so active in protesting that I was involved in a group. Latinx for black lives that like that that's like something that I'm very passionate about and he seems okay with it so which is good yeah so we're talking on this date him knowing that I am half Hispanic and and he keeps talking like like the entire conversation that we had was about his ex-girlfriend and how she is also Latina and um and he kept on bringing up how she's Latina, how she's Latina. It's like, oh, so you're one of the white guys that fetishize Latina Mm. women. Like that, that's clearly what it is. And then he goes on to talk about him just putting himself in this deep hole where like, he's clearly also not a good person. He's clearly racist. And, and I'm thinking like, what about this conversation? Do you think that I'm going to walk away from it? Like saying like, oh, wow, this guy's a really nice guy. I can't wait to talk to him again. Like, I I just like, I was just, I think I was so shocked that I allowed the conversation to continue at that point, just to Mm -hmm. see like what else he would say. So then he goes on to talk to me about his ex-girlfriend and how she was crazy. And I I hate when men speak ill of their exes. I I think that that is just such a big red flag, um, especially on a first date, like like when you're talking about your ex nonstop, you're either not yeah. over it or or you're trying to prove to me that like like you it's understandable eight months down the line if the guy you're dating is like, hey, the girl you state wasn't a good person. Yes. But you're like, okay, that's fair. You can tactfully say that this or person even mistreated just you. Even at the beginning, like, hey, they weren't a good person. Okay, that's understandable. They weren't a good person. 
he he wasn't trying to be tactful. He wasn't trying to be kind. No. He he like he clearly had some hang-ups on the situation. And so then it got real personal. And he tells me she was clearly mentally ill. And I'm like and okay. assess that. Like okay, how how is she mentally ill? This guy tried to tell me that his ex-girlfriend was mentally ill because she liked to be choked in bed. She's mentally ill because she likes to be choked in bed? That's, that's what he was telling me. And I and think so, we're all mentally ill then. All, right, all of us. So, we're all mentally ill. We're, we're, all, we're, so, we're all fucked up. <laughs> first of all, don't catfish me. Show up with like a turkey neck gobble pelican neck. And then tell me that you're too good to choke me and that I'm mentally ill. Like, all I could think of is, like... No, obviously he said he felt self-conscious about being choked. He said, like, choking a gobble thing going on. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, maybe she was telling him that she wanted him to choke her. Maybe she was gesturing to her neck as in, like, hey, hey, you're hitting me in the face with your neck. Because his (laughs) neck was so flappy. Hey, you're suffocating with your turkey gobble. Maybe it was like (laughs) a panicked, like maybe it was like a panicked like signal to him during sex. Like, hey, stop doing that. But like, he was like, oh, you want me to choke you? And then he's like, well, this girl's clearly crazy. Like, no, 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 no. Do not show up with the gobble and then tell me you're too good to choke me. And and talk about your ex the entire time. Act like a racist fool. And, And then expect a second date. Like, it was just horrifying. And I just, I, I couldn't believe what was happening to me. We, you know, we finished our frozen yogurt. I, like, I literally went on the shortest walk of my life. Like, I, like, walks when I walk my dog and I just want him to pee and bring him back inside quick were longer than the walk that me and this man took. Like, I was, like, half <laughs> jogging. Like, he, like, he actually was, like, sweating, like, I was walking so fucking fast to get out of there like and I and again like I stayed because I was trying to be polite at some point I was just so shocked like well what else is this guy going to say to me and then and and as soon as it was over it was like I'm the f out of here and after he texted me like he thought that like things went well and and another thing too is if I didn't have a great date I I don't I don't want anybody to feel bad if they try to kiss me like no don't kiss me but I'll give the person a hug like I'm not like I'm not this like horrible judgmental person and and like I but this guy I had I even dodged the hug I was like no no like I can't I can't do this like somebody fucking save me so um and after he texted me and he was like oh you know like wait to see you again soon that was awesome I had so much fun and I was like darling like you treated me like a therapist for your last relationship mortally like offended me and and then you think that I'm gonna go on another date with you like it was the most shocking thing ever and also this is a grown man like this this isn't a child this isn't this isn't like a teenager like we are like we're both adults here like my thing is is that he is just a man made out of red flags it was it was horrible but I mean, like I survived when I go on dates with men, a lot of times I throw out the same joke. It's this, and I, and I, guys that I have gone on dates with that may listen to this are going to be like, yes, she said this to me. I tell people before I go on a date with them, if you think that you're going to murder me on this date, like the jokes on you because it's what I would have wanted anyway like just like <laughs> like like because now that that's the like, best way to do it you just take all the fun out of it for them you're like go ahead 
yeah, like, do take it. The satisfaction of killing me, like out of it, like just like just for precaution, but then also like test the person to see if like they like also have a morbid sense of humor because I do like that. But oh my no, gosh. a morbid sense of humor generally means you're not a serial killer because you're going to try and hide that, girl. It is. If you have a morbid sense of humor, you it just means that you're depressed or anxious. <laughs> Be cool, <laughs> right? Then. I'm into the morbid sense of humor. We cool. But as far as like, if you're trying to avoid that part of yourself, that, that makes you question you. Right. What's up? What's it's, up? Something wrong like, with you. What is it? For profiling purposes. I yeah, usually... it's either you're way too normal for me or you're a psycho. One of the two. Yeah. Like either way, it's not going to work. So it's, it's really good to, it's really good to screen these people. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed part one. Stick around for part two of that time we talked about serial killers. As always, thank you for encouraging our bullshit. And please, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. On Anchor, you can leave us voice messages. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for listening to I Don't Know What's Happening.